Hey everyone. <laughs> Welcome back to Back to Zero. Alright. Hey everyone. Whoa! Oh, oh. Hey everyone. <laughs> this is Back to Zero, a show for entrepreneurs, self-starters, and those unwilling to settle for the status quo. We're your hosts, CJ Reese. And I'm Hunter Reynolds. Get out of my camera. Get out of my camera. <laughs> We're back. Um, Still in quarantine, we're going mildly insane. Working on it. Um, but last episode, we talked about all these goals and we gave a ton of advice for different um, niches of business, which I think is really helpful for a lot of people. So um, you should definitely check that one out. And also, we were getting a ton of questions um, about who we are, and we've done a couple episodes by now. So I think this is a good transition and like a break point to spend some time and talk about ourselves, how we came to get in the position we are, as well as just tell you guys a little more about us and why you should be listening. So. Yeah, so we wanted to get you guys up to speed exactly as to how we got to here. So for the next two episodes, we're going to be switching up kind of the format of the show. So instead of both of us on camera, we're going to cut after the intro to one of us talking about kind of how we got here. It'll so. be an interesting change of pace. So we're excited. We're excited to share uh, more about ourselves. CJ's gonna be taking the first episode, so without further ado, let's run the intro. This is Back to Zero. So today we're doing a little bit of a different style in the podcast, uh, doing more of a bio for each of us and going to explain kind of our history as to what shaped us and the ways we did and what kind of created this brand so that way you can better understand the narrative we're trying to push, hopefully add some authority to our story so you know you're not just listening to two guys with what they're doing, you're listening to two people who have you know, kind of already in their own way been through some things and had some experience in business to actually be able to talk about these topics. So. Well, it said, um, when I was first starting to try and get all this kind of formed in a cohesive topic that would something was driving the same narrative, I was having a hard time identifying, at least for myself, uh, what the narrative was for me because as I've progressed through my youth, there have been different things for me that at a certain point in my life were my narrative. So if you were to ask me, you know, when I was probably 16 or 15 years old even, uh, like who you were, I would be like, well, I'm CJ Reese and I'm a wrestler. But, you know, in a very short period of time, I kind of evolved into different things and you know had different interests so different things became my narrative so now I was trying to figure out exactly like who I am now is that what points along this kind of a path to where I'm at were relevant in that story to make you guys understand what's happening so with all that said I think the person I am now has kind of become an accumulative effect of all of the experiences I've had and different narratives that have kind of been woven into what I'm at right now so I think I'm just going to touch on probably starting from the very beginning, like from my childhood, the types of experiences I had that helped shape me in the way I am. So growing up, you know, I'm from an extremely tight-knit, talented, you know, very, very close family. And uh, family's always been very important, very, like, you know, first thing that comes first. But, you know, we didn't always have, like, the best financial situation. There were certain times where, you know, we didn't have all the things we needed or you know, there were certain things that were just, you know, you couldn't always do, like, going on vacations and things like that. So my dad always worked super, super hard as we would grow up. To like try to make sure that that like that type of uh, I wouldn't say like that, that, that lifestyle was not like how we were felt how we felt we didn't feel like you know we were 
poor or anything like that. He tried very hard to make sure that we were not exposed to some of the hardships that we were, they were uh, feeling as parents or experiencing as parents. So he did everything he could, but at certain times, you know, when the power's getting cut out or you see your dad's car get repoed, like, you, if you're paying attention as a kid, you start to understand, like, the narrative of, like, or like, kind of the situation you're in that is, you know, things aren't great right now financially. So from a very young age, uh, understanding that and seeing kind of the stress it put on my parents, and luckily, you know, I come from, like I said, a very tight family, and I'm sure, like, some of the financial situations you get into can, you know, make or break some families. So seeing that growing up, it made me want to make sure that I did everything I could in my power to set myself up financially to be like safe and secure and not have to have these, you know, tough conversations or, you know, have the power cut out. There's certain things like that that I saw that were like difficult. Um, so with all that, you know, my dad uh, is extremely, uh, he's a serial entrepreneur as well, I would say. Uh, his first business, he's had several going on, but one of the ones he started was an internet cafe that, uh, didn't work out so well in the end. He ended up, you know, didn't like the management of the partners that he was partnered with and tried to leave the business. Uh, he thought he had left the business in a you know, clean cut way, you know, he's no longer liable, but the partners he was with continued to mismanage the business and ended up driving it like totally into the ground and they all fled. And because of the way my dad exited the business, it left him on the hook for a ton of expenses and it just led to him getting sued for I think like $300,000. So that was like right when I was first getting born and to like put that kind of pressure on someone that doesn't come from a financially affluent background, uh, it's a lot to try and raise a kid and do all those types of stuff. So he tried, like ever since I've been little growing up, I've seen him work, you know, two jobs nonstop, doing everything he can to, you know, make ends meet. And seeing that, it always, you know, made me want to do everything I can. So I remember the moment I could get a job, I turned 16 and I started, you know, trying to do the traditional thing because seeing my dad, what had happened, it instilled this kind of initially traditional mindset for me that. Uh, there's only, you know, if there's a way for this to work, you know, you go to school, you get a good job, you get good pay, and then you kind of, you know, it, it lets you escape from that kind of trap of, you know, not having enough money or things not working out the way you want it to, is if you follow this kind of path. So I get this first job at Publix, and I remember when I first come in there, I'm just totally convinced that within six months, like, I'm going to run this place. Like, I'm going to be, you know, manager of the store, you know, doing everything, because I was just that type of person growing up. I was very ambitious. I was very driven, you know, kind of like a leader type deal just because of the sports I'd done growing up. And I remember I get in there and we're talking about everything. And I'm like, so like, what's the deal with like promotion and stuff like that? And I remember he tells me, he's like, well, after six months, there's a, you know, you do a performance review and there's an opportunity for a 25 cent raise. And then after 12 months, you get stock options and like the public's the, the store, which, you know, not knocking 25 cent raise, but I always thought for sure I could progress a lot faster than that. So ultimately, I had that job for about three months, and around the time that I first got this job, uh, it was also the same time I had like a life-changing summer for me. So I'm just starting to work at Publix, I'm starting to save up some money, and my friend, very, like one of my best friends at the time, his name was Jim, uh, invited me to go to Europe. And I said I don't come from a very, I don't come from an at all affluent background. My dad's you know, totally self-made, did all his own thing, and at this time we did not have the kind of money to send me to Europe. On a fun trip for the summer. Uh, so I, as much as I appreciated the offer of my friend, I have to tell him, like, you know, I'd love to go, but my family just can't afford to do something like that. And to my surprise, he just goes, don't worry about it. And, you know, a month later, I've got my passport. It's my first time going out of the country, and I'm literally flying, like, first business class to Europe to hop on, like, a private chartered yacht and, like, sail throughout the Mediterranean Ocean for 10 days. Completely changed my perspective as to what's possible in life. So that kind of experience for me, really shifted uh, 
what I thought was possible for an individual because it's one thing to kind of, I think, grow up. It was a, one of like the best experiences I could have had uh, at that kind of stage in my life because I feel like a lot of people, you know, you see these huge figures, these people that are extremely successful and they've done all these crazy things and it's one person and you just think, wow, that dude must be just, you know, a different breed, you know, a completely different type of person. Like, I can't relate to them. And then you meet one of these people and you're just like, what? Like, you're, you're, you're obviously a very smart guy. He's much smarter than most people I know, but you're still just a dude who worked his ass off and things work out the way they were supposed to when you work your ass off, you know, an extended period of time. You get what you deserve, what you deserve, which is like from your efforts. And seeing that, it just opened my eyes to like what's possible for like one individual to kind of chase in a lifetime. And I was just like, from that, I came back with just like a completely different person with like a different mission. And I was just focused on uh, doing anything I can to kind of like break this mold. So I quit my job at Publix and I start focusing on any kind of like hustle or side hustle I could do at the time to start making money. So I was like 17 at the time and I started trying to do uh, day trading, uh, doing stocks, stuff like that. I remember I found Timothy Sykes and I saw he traded up from like $1,200 or $12,000 to a million. And I was just like, okay, I can do like day trading. So I remember I used my dad's like E-Trade account and would try to trade on there. I wasn't 18 years old yet. So I would trade through his account and you know, I made no money. I lost money doing that, but it didn't stop me from that kind of ultimate pursuit of that new goal I had, which was getting myself to like a seriously like financially free position and like position that like I saw my friend's dad was in because of the way he you know put himself in that position. So after you know being at Publix and seeing how he had kind of done it himself, I realized like the only way I can have an opportunity like that or a life like that is if I give myself this opportunity. And with this whole new outlook on life, I realized like if I didn't create the success for myself or create this opportunity for myself to be successful, I would have to be following like you know these pre-mandated uh, timeline for my success. And I wanted to be in control of the timeline for my success. Otherwise, you know, I'd feel like it would be like you know, every six months, here's your 25 cent raise, your stock options. And I was like, I want to be in control of when these, these progressions happen in my life. Even if it's not as fast as some traditional past, but it's still like I'm the one that's kind of pushing that along in the, the way that I want it to go and the, the path that I want it to go. So do day trading for a while and it doesn't work out, but ultimately it doesn't stop me from pursuing this goal of financial freedom and wanting to you know, break this mold and set myself up in that lifestyle. Because after coming back from this trip, I remember I had one of my dad's friends and I was talking to him about it and I was telling him everything about it. And he's like, wow, that's so crazy. You know, like that's a, that's a once in a lifetime experience. And I remember I just looked at him and I was like, there's no way I can end up being a once in a lifetime experience. Like I need that to be like my life at some point. I don't, I don't know when it's gonna be, but I like, after that trip decided like this is what I need to like shoot for and like this is the benchmark for what I want out of life. So from that, it just it set me on fire and you know, from day trading, I realized you know, that didn't work. I need to do something different and at this time, I was a, a vegan and while I was a vegan, I had a ton of friends that would tell me like, oh, like, I don't know how you're vegan, like the diet sucks, the food's not good, like da 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 da, like all this different type of stuff that I was like, it's really not that bad. I think you just don't understand like where to look. So I had this idea to create a vegan subscription box. And basically every month I would carry a box, put new snacks in it, and I would ship it out to my subscribers. So that was like my first actual business venture. I tried the stock trading and day trading stuff. Didn't work out, it's very, you know, shoot in the dark. I needed like a more controllable uh, result. And this was like a business that I could work on that with correct work and then the correct market, I felt like I could actually make money in. So I started developing Bearbox, and like this was my introduction into business, and like taught me the fundamentals of like brand development, social media marketing, web design, 
uh, all these different types of things that ended up becoming very applicable to the agency and these things I would do later in my life, but I didn't even know um, what was happening. That's kind of like a very common theme in this is like the only thing, like all I'm looking at moving forward is like this ultimate goal of like where I need to be. So after this trip, I come back and I realize like this is where I want to be. I just have to figure out how to get there, like finding is necessary. So I just work back from, you know, how do I get there? Whether it's day trading, starting a business, uh, a different brand, a service, whatever it is, I just knew like this is where I want to go. Like I don't care like what opportunity it is, I have to get there through as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. It's benefiting everyone involved. I knew like that was something I needed to do. So I would run Bearbox for about two years. Um, it's kind of fun, but it would ultimately implode due to uh, a really good business lesson, which was separating your emotional and personal self from your actual business. And I had a sad relationship uh, that ended because the end of my actual business and it just all kind of imploded uh, pretty rapidly after that. So it was a really good like, business lesson for me though to learn to separate. So Bearbox um, would ultimately cease to exist, but it had a much bigger uh, kind of ultimate vision. You know, it was supposed to, I was working on my own snack bars this time. I was trying to build this much bigger brand. And then, you know, suddenly you're, you know, 16, 17 years old and your heart gets messed up and you think it's the end of the world. Everything's kind of falls apart. So that was the end of that, but not the end of this actual journey. So that collapsed and I focused on the next thing for me, which was uh, like my freelance photography. And I started focusing super, super heavily on freelance, freelance photography. Um, I started off just shooting like my rowing events, uh, doing stuff for my sister, just fun random shoots. And then I would ultimately decide to focus on like senior portraits and event photography. Um, I just always felt like I was really good at just kind of capturing human emotion and portraits and I really liked doing portrait photography so I really started to focus on that and I would do freelance photography for about a year and a half. Um, during this time I'm still trying to figure out what my next thing is and you know, I'm doing freelance photography to get paid and just kind of you know, keep moving along and I'll also pick up a job at Topgolf this time so as I'm trying to push myself along I'm you know, doing everything I can to make sure that I'm getting, getting paid in some capacity. But after I hit top golf, top golf, I've had this idea for a clothing line called Lifted Labs. Lifted Labs would be a, a like medical marijuana-based clothing line where the whole overarching concept was to start a clothing line that people would enjoy and think it was cool, sell the clothes, take money from the clothes to fund a dispensary because dispensaries are very expensive to do. And like I said, I don't have millions of dollars backing me. I was just you know a kid trying to figure this out and started selling clothes. And there was a guy that. I worked with a top golf that I knew was, you know, a really in the scene photographer in Atlanta for hip hop and all type of stuff like that. So I ended up deciding to try to partner with him on the project, and he got me introduced to an artist called named Sunny Digital. Uh, Sunny Digital was, you know, like a prolific uh, hip hop producer, just producer in general uh, here in Atlanta. And I would start working with Sunny for a little bit. We'd give him some of the clothes, and ultimately, uh, this would also implode just to, to a poor partnership. Uh, some found that would end up with a $20,000 camera getting stolen and a whole bunch of stuff that don't want to air out right now, but we'll potentially get into when we get Sunny on the show so we can get you know both views of that whole kind of ordeal. So that was totally nuts. Um, but flash forward now, and we did get the camera back, but it was just a mess. So we've got the camera back, and I'm still focusing on the next thing. And right upon uh, getting introduced to Lewis, he shows me that in the last, like, 10 days, he made $14,000 doing this thing that I didn't know about. And immediately I'm just like, what on earth are you doing, bro? Like, what, what's this thing you're involved in that's making you so much money doing all this stuff? And he tells me about this thing called drop shipping. So I'm immediately like just consumed with figuring out how to figure out how drop shipping works. And for about two months straight, I would watch 
like eight or 12 hours a day of just YouTube content on like Facebook ads, like website optimization, no marketing, all these different parts that would tie into how dropshipping works and how to do it correctly. And that's all we focus on for about two months straight. Um, at this point, I would call you know, one of our now partners in the agency, Cooper, to help out with this venture. Uh, he expressed you know, some prior interest in things I've done before, like the Lifted Labs and uh, the Bear Box. And I knew this time like, I would need some sort of financial backing to start doing advertising, inventory eventually, and stuff like that. So I call and I'm like, hey man, I've got this buddy of mine, the last 14 days, or the last 10 days, he made 14 grand. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing yet, but I'm pretty sure I can figure it out. And he just goes, you know, he gives me the shot. And he gave me $2,000 to get started on Facebook ads and uh, starting a store and trying to advertise. I remember he just goes, you know, like, worst case scenario, you know, you lose $2,000. And you know, two thousand dollars more about Facebook ads and digital advertising do it for. Best case scenario, you know, you make you make it back and you don't lose any money and you know what you're doing. So I immediately check in right to testing. I'm testing dozens and dozens of products, and I'm getting down to my last hundred, excuse me, hundred to two hundred dollars, and I suddenly like hit a product, and we start going from you know hundred dollars a day, five hundred dollars a day, to you know thousand dollars a day within a few weeks, and we're just crushing it. And you know, in thirty days, we make thirty thousand dollars. And you know, this, the year that we did that, we're planning to make a quarter million dollars. And you know, I'm, I'm literally like 18 years old, turning 19, yeah, I was 18 turning 19 that summer. And all this going on, it's going crazy. And then suddenly, you know, our supplier pulls our contract overnight. And I was just like destroyed. We went from $1,200 a day to zero in like literally less than 24 hours, just right to the ground. And I remember that happening and just being totally I mean, that, that was my greatest loss of business up to that point. Like, you know, Bearbox obviously failed before, but it didn't stop you moving forward. You know, Lifted Labs came all the way to the very, almost getting across the finish line and failed. And then, you know, this, we're actually having real, real success, real sales. And this year we're planning to make six figures plus first year profit and suddenly it's taken from you overnight. And I remember that was an extremely crippling moment, but an even more powerful moment for me because I realized in that moment that I had like created that success. Like those sales that I had driven, like I did. There wasn't something that, you know, had put me in that position. And I realized like as much as, as many times as I need to, I can recreate that success. I can keep, you know, re, 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 reapplying these digital advertising strategies to new things and trying to figure out what the next opportunity is. I don't, this isn't, you know, the end of the story. And I took that intensity and that kind of mindset and took running for the next opportunity. So I took those skills I had learned in digital advertising and decided to apply it to starting an agency. So me and Cooper, we started with that product and I realized, you know, the same marketing principles I had learned in taking this product, you know, from zero to, you know, two to three million views in 30 days and tens of thousands of shares and 40,000 comments, this viral ad we had created is now like something that we can take that same concept and apply to different businesses. So we started the agency, um, start trying to pick up new clients and I'm working on it pretty passively at this point. Uh, I would start to also focus heavily still on the freelance photography and video work. So during this time, I'll get linked up with an artist called Schooly. He's a hip hop artist here based in Atlanta and another one called Young Marley. And I would roll out with these guys for probably six months in late 2018 and was their personal photographer for you know, that, that time period. And during this time, it was super, super dope for me. You know, I decided to start on the clothing line at this point, just kept trying to focus on the next opportunity for myself, creating new things, going to the next brand, the next business, even if the last one failed, trying to take that you know, the new knowledge I have from the failure and apply it to the next success, hopefully. And I started this clothing line called Tears and would start, you know, handing these clothes out as much as I can to people. And I really didn't want to compromise uh, material integrity and, you know, kind of the quality 
of the brand initially, even though we didn't have much money. So what I would do is I would work part-time at a printing and like production shop. And for like six, eight hours a day, I'd be like working in there, printing t-shirts, helping them with whatever they needed, you know, video work, photo work, anything they needed, I would be helping them with. And then at night, I'd be going in there and like reprinting or printing all my clothes, the clothing line to get, you know, the, the, the goods as discounted as possible. So I'm just trying to give out these clothes as much as I can to everybody and just trying to get the brand out there. So I stayed with Schoolie for um, six months, like I said, and during this time, we also picked up our first client for, this, for the agency, which is the private school I'm coming. I started working at the private school for about 12 months past that date and, you know, still past working on the agency. And as I decided to leave, you know, stop working with Schoolie and move on to the next kind of venture, I got picked up by a company called Eclectic Artists. So, Eclectic Artists is a booking and production agency. Uh, they're probably one of the top, you know, five booking and production agencies here in the U.S. They do roughly 350 shows every year. And like they also, they're, they're about 40, I think 40 plus different universities across the U.S. as well every year. So they hired me to come on and build out their entire web presence, their email marketing, their marketing funnel, all their content creation, social media management, like basically manage their entire online presence. So I come in, revamp all that, I brand it all. And this is also going to be the first project that Hunter and I will get to work on together. So as I'm starting to do all of this and the shows are starting to get ready to come up, I'm, you know, I start, I'm talking to the owner of the company and I go, hey, like, we're trying to do all these really kick-ass things with this brand, really get it out there. Uh, I can do this you know, by myself to a degree, but if we really want to have it at the level that we need it to be, I need you know, another person with me, another person out shooting with me, helping get the content at you know, the same level that I am. So I convinced him to bring Hunter on and you know, be a secondary person with me, and we helped develop that entire digital like brand for the video content, the photo content, helping kind of develop the whole aesthetic. So that was Hunter and I's first kind of experience working together as partners on a project, and you know, we had we realized we had amazing amazing working chemistry, and that played a major major role in wanting to actually bring him on as a partner in the agency. So I'd say with Eclectic Artists from you know I think it was January 2019 to June 2019, and after that, you know Hunter and I we worked together on that first project, and we realized like you know. We're two minds that need to be working together on everything. And I decided to bring them on to the agency. And we spent the rest of that summer totally rebranding the entire agency. Like basically tore everything down, rebuilt it all, and trying to get ready for this fall push in you know, 2019. And we got ready for it, started picking up tons and tons of clients right off the rip, first thing getting into Atlanta. And then we actually ended up getting both of ourselves moved into Midtown now. And we have this office here in Midtown. And you know we've been very, very quickly ramping things up. But uh, I think that pretty much would briefly give you an overview of kind of my experience in business, the things that have gotten me to where I'm at, and the experiences I've had. Uh, it's, there's lots of you know, fun bits that we did leave out, certain things that we think that were more, like, more important to hold for a relevant date, things that you know, don't entirely be shared right now so we can share with you guys later. So hopefully with like, everything I've said, you're starting to realize like between Hunter and I, we're not you know, just two young 21-year-olds who don't know what we're doing. We just started this last year, and now we're trying to you know, be motivation to you guys. You know, I, I've been doing this for five or six years now. Hunter's been on his kind of journey with videography and being the creative person he is for, you know, I think at least eight years or probably more. And with all that kind of combined experience, while we are young, we've had tons of failures, tons of successes uh, along this way, which we think gives us the, the position to try to talk to some of you guys that are our age or older that are trying to get that going. So hopefully with all that said, um, makes you guys interested in what we're trying to talk about, gives us some authority on the topics we're trying to talk to you guys about. And you know, for any kind of commonality I expect for you to find between Hunter and I's story, I think that you would realize that they're both written by us. These aren't things that was 
gives it to us. We're not you know, some trust fund babies or some special industry connections. These are all things and positions we put ourselves in. Um, so with that said, hopefully that, again, helps bring not, not clarity, but some confidence into our ability to talk about these topics. So with all that, I would say that this whole kind of biography or introduction is more of a prologue to where I believe all this is really going and we'd love for you guys to come along and join with us as we start to develop this brand and build everything to the kind of grand vision that we have envisioned from the beginning of this. So this is Back to Zero. We'll see you guys next time. Excuse me. What are you doing? Shaking that like it ain't got nothing to it With that fruity, fruity little Perfect, I certified, how does she do it? Feel like a masterpiece, y'all bring that back to me